Cardians TV One podcast Zenkai series. So pretty much just want to talk about Zenkai. The Zenkai series is like, oh, finally we got a new series to get into, right? Um, definitely some new stuff. They have the basically they have an extra deck, right? They have a you know just like in Yu-Gi-Oh, we have an extra deck. So it's nice to have an extra deck to play with, right? Because it just adds another layer to the game. It just gives you some other options. So it opens up the possibility of being creative, doing something creative. Um, for a while, a lot of people was like they don't want an extra deck added to the game. Because they don't want the game to be like Yu-Gi-Oh. But the irony is over 60% of the player base were Yu-Gi-Oh players. So, well, at least when, it, when, the, game, when the game started... There's largely a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic, um, or ex-Yu-Gi-Oh! ex-Magic players. Some of them went back to playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic, obviously. Um, but, or they went on to like Digimon or some other card game. No surprise. I mean, if, if you left Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic to play Dragon Ball Super, when you could have just done both, then obviously you're the type of person that will keep hopping on the new thing. Um, I'm not going to go into the deep, into specifics of why people are doing it, just pointing out that that's typically what happens which is why like I said it's like a lot of the players that you know started out this game was Yu-Gi-Oh players magic players right and we were the ones that were promoting it encouraging people to play as an alternative to the other games right an alternative to Yu-Gi-Oh alternative to magic play Dragon Ball Super that was the selling point you know give us you know (laughs) credit for where credit's due right it's just funny how a lot of people like to act like they're all, they've been day one Dragon Ball Super players, right? Where they never played any other card games. Or that everybody who plays Dragon Ball Super, that's the only game they play. It's like, no. We played other games. And then there's the, you know, the fact of like trying to look down at on Yu-Gi-Oh! players, for example. Specifically Yu-Gi-Oh! players. They do look down on Magic players or players that play other card games. But specifically on Yu-Gi-Oh! players, looking down on them, not realizing <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! players are the reason... They're even playing Dragon Ball Super. The only reason that Dragon Ball Super is still thriving in a world that Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, and Pokemon exist, right? The top three, right? The big three, if you want to call it that, is because of these types of players. They're the ones, they're the ones who, who definitely facilitated the idea of competitive play, right? Most, most, mo- most of these card games, when they first started out, it was meant to be casual. For example, Magic started off casually. Magic inspired Yu-Gi-Oh, right? Inspired the creation of Yu-Gi-Oh, right? And then Pokemon was created, right? We all know Pokemon didn't start off as a card game, right? But hey, why not make a card game? Because card games is popular, so why not? And then it became a popular card game. The irony in that, right? Didn't start off as a card game, but Pokemon went into it and they've been thriving. And they got lots of cards with worth buku bucks and and they, and because of them, we have, um, you know, Logan Paul, <laughs> you know, in the card game world. Oh, well. Anyway, the point is, right, is the idea of, like, looking down at Yu-Gi-Oh players, you know, like, oh, man, we don't want this game to be like Yu-Gi-Oh, blah, 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 blah. This game is not like Magic is better, blah, 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 all this extra nonsense. And it's like, no, because without those two games specifically, without Yu-Gi-Oh, without Magic... There would be no Dragon Ball Super. So 
show respect to the old card games, right? Respect your elders. Without them, there is no you. And a lot of people have a habit of doing that. You know, especially if they can't hang. We know this hate towards older generation, older older of anything, anything old, is always the idea is that because they couldn't hang, as they say, right, with the older uh, card games, the older generations, right, the older of, the older of any activity, of course they're going to look down on it. They'll be like, oh, we're so much cooler because, you know, we're doing this, then, and the third over here. And it's like, yeah, but without that previous generation, that previous activity, that this activity wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for Magic, if it wasn't for Yu-Gi-Oh, this game wouldn't exist. So show respect to that which created y'all, right? Just like the competitive scene, you know, started becoming more and more of a common thing where more players that came into the game came to play competitively, not really casually. It just, a lot of times, they'll they'll, they'll fall back into a casual category, especially if they don't have money to play competitively, right? Then they tend to play casual. Then there's competitive casual and, you know, different types. Then there's collectors and the, the list goes on, right? But ultimately, you know, we got to show respect to the originators, right? The, because of them, you know, the competitive scene is the way it is. A lot of terms in Dragon Ball Super came from other card games, you know, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatnot. And of course, Magic, <laughs> right? Magic is the one who experiments the most with uh, different uh, mechanics, different card types. They're always trying to create something new, and that inspires other card games to do the same, whether it's carbon copying or creating something similar. Just like Magic has Planeswalkers, Dragon Ball Super has Unisons. Yu-Gi-Oh! has extra deck, the ability to play something from your from an extra deck, a stack of cards, right, that you can play from, not just from your deck. We have it now, you know, and it's our Zenkai area. We even have an area for Zenkai energy, which basically is just cards you combo, and once per turn you can put a card into your Zenkai energy area, or your Z energy area, once per turn from what I've heard. So we'll see more about how it works out, but so far it seems interesting. A lot of the cards look really good. The Z Awakened Leaders, the Z Battle Cards, they're pretty cool. We'll see if they'll do Z Unisons, because um, it makes sense that maybe even Z Field Cards, but we'll see. Um, but Z Unisons more likely will be the next step. They're just starting off with leaders and battle cards because the game started off mainly with leaders, battle cards being the main things that can attack and do damage until unisons were created. So we'll probably have to wait until set two or three of the Z series. And, and then we'll see uh, Z unisons. I mean, if you think about it, we have unisons that have the word Z fighter. Uh, we'll have, you know, yeah, the word Z fighter in their names. So... It's not unbelievable to think that they'll have Z unisons. So it's just putting it out there, just an idea. Since I'm, you know, we're talking about the Z series, right? The Zenkai series, so there might be unisons in the near future. So we'll see. Uh, my friend even talked about the idea of um, ultimates, 
Z ultimates, basically. Since ultimates are typically battle cards, the possibility of an Z ultimate is possible. So we'll see. Um, which would be kind of cool, right? Um, the idea that you could, you could just you could play an well one. Uh, always wanted the always like the idea that um of some way of getting your ultimate because if you have cell zeno in the, your deck especially if you're trying to use it as a win con you need an easy way to get him if you're trying to use your baby hatch yak you want to get your hands on it if you want to use your pan secret rare you want to get your hands on it. like it's a one of it's one copy of a really good card and it sucks that you have to try to get it through randomness through getting lucky that you draw it it would, be, it would be better, especially if you're a competitive player, right? You don't want things to be random. You want control. You want to choose and make decisions. That's where that's where your skills come in. That's what lets you, you know, brag about being good at the game because you're actually good at the game, right? By making by, by your decisions, not because you know randomly you got lucky and you sell Zeno to your opponent, right? It should be deliberate, not accidental. So. That's why some card games are not popular with certain players, especially players in the Dragon Ball Super community. They've been vocal about the idea that they don't like a lot of randomness. Part of why they don't like games like, uh, what is it called, uh, Digimon and whatnot, because there is a certain level of randomness added to the game on purpose um, just to make the game unpredictable, right? Just to make the game random. But competitive players don't like random. Right? They don't like inconsistency. That's part of randomness, right? Is something being inconsistent, right? Something happening that you didn't want to happen versus, you know, wanting something to happen. This is also part of why, you know, I understand and put out the idea that, yeah, we should have a maximum hand size. I'm not saying that Bandai has to do it. I'm just, you know, like, oh, I want Bandai to do it. No, I'm just saying that it would make sense to have a maximum hand size because it reduces randomness, right? It reduces the possibility of somebody just having a huge hand size just because their opponent dealt them a lot of damage because they drew a lot of cards from card effects. So all that culminated to them having a huge hand size and that determines uh, largely whether they win or lose just by that alone. Not because they made good decisions, right? Not because they they're able to out, outplay their opponent strategically. It's like, no, they just have a whole bunch of cards in their hand, so they, they, could, they could potentially have a baby hatchback in their hand randomly, right? They didn't choose to have the hatchback in their hand. They just so happened to have it, right? Or something similar to that, or they just so happened to have exactly the amount of combo power they, ha they need in their hands to out-combo, you know, let's say a 100K attacker or something like that. As an example, I mean, realistically, attacks shouldn't even be able to get that high, um, or shouldn't be necessary to get that high. A 30k, 40k, maybe even a 50k should be more than enough to go for game, but it doesn't play out that much as often as you think it would, largely because there's some decks that their whole thing is having a large hand size. But oh well, teach down. I'm just, you know, pointing out an observation not not complaining or anything just pointing it out so it would make sense that you would want to minimize um, these you know random factors these situations where like 
damn, for some reason you just so happen to have 30 cards in your hands and that is actually stopping me from winning. Just because you have so many cards in your hands. Not anything else, just that. That's the only thing slowing me down. The only thing that's getting in my way. You know what I mean? Um, so, there's that. Or, for some reason, you, you, you got everything you need for your, to play your win con, but for some reason, you haven't drawn it yet. <laughs> you know, that can happen. I've had that scenario happen to me once. Where I didn't draw my win card. I'm like, damn. I did everything right. I played all the cards in the right order to win. My opponent's ready to lose. <laughs> right? I just need I just need my win con. And I didn't draw it. So, that was funny. There was a there was a time where I had everything set up and I didn't have my win con. It's like, everything set up, don't have the win con. Jesus Christ. But I swung with my leader and I drew a card and I drew my win con. It's like, good. Good, I drew it. I had a feeling that I might draw it. Um, so, um, I think I did the whole, uh, what was it? I created a life so I could go from three to two, draw a card, and then awaken, draw two more cards. So then I had three cards in my hands. It's like, dang, still no, still no win con, right? Still no Android 17 turn tide. So I swing with the leader, draw, and like, bang. The fourth card was turning the tides. Like, finally. Damn, four turns later, I would have drawn turning the tide. But clearly, I would have lost before that. Right? Or I would have took damage and ended up losing the card through, uh, through my leader's awaken effect. So, so, so that's, that, that can happen, right? You know, that's the thing about randomness. You know, you don't get to choose when something's random. Anyway... Part of why I'm talking about randomness and stuff like that is the fact that it's like because of the extra deck thing, right? Um, or Zenkai zone, whatever deck, um, Zenkai deck or Z deck. Um, now you have a little bit more control. Kind of like in Yu-Gi-Oh! where we have an extra deck where we have some control. As long as you can meet the, the conditions, you're able to play something on purpose, right? You can play a specific card as a, for a specific solution, a specific out. A way of looking at it, it's kind of like a side deck that you you get to you get to use. You know, some of us in Yu-Gi-Oh call it a toolbox. I mean, this term is used in many other card games, but you get the idea, the toolbox concept, right? Whenever there's a problem, you need a solution, right? And that's where your toolbox, aka your side deck or an extra deck comes into play. Now imagine having an extra deck, right? An extra deck of cards plus your side deck, right? That's why we call it side deck. We still call it a deck, right? So right there, that gives you a lot of options, right? And options is always good. Choices is always good. Especially if you're a competitive player, you want choices. So this just adds more to the competitive scene, more than casual. Casual players will like it and play it, obviously. They'll enjoy their Zenkai stuff. But this is definitely something that will be popular with a competitive scene, you know, competitive players. I mean, I expect them to like this because this is something they've always wanted, right? More control. So imagine if, if you had a Zenkai card that's actually a search card. It literally, you know, searches out your, your ultimate. So hopefully they incorporate that. I had that idea originally when they mentioned the idea of, you know, uh, the whole Zenkai thing. It's like, wow, imagine if it's, it's, it's a zone where you can, 
you could put your ultimate. You could you could start your ultimate in the Z, uh, Z zone, right, and, and the Zenkai zone, and then just by meeting a, a condition, you can add it to your hand, right? Like, that'd be cool. That way, if your deck is based off of trying to play Selzeno and win with Selzeno, then putting Selzeno into the Zenkai area and then accessing it when you, you know, when you need it will be good because that's that's the whole thing. If your whole deck is based off of one, uh, based off of a, a ultimate, it makes sense to be able to guarantee you can get it so you can play it. You know, me personally, I, especially as a deck builder, I don't like the idea of having something that I can't use when I want to use it, right? I don't like the idea of having one copy of a card in my deck that's I might might not see every time I play the game, right? This is part why I play four of everything, because I want to see these cards. Whether I'm going to use them or not, I'd rather see them. You know, if, whether I'm going to play play all my unisons in my decks or not, it's irrelevant. What matters is that I see them, that I have them. So when they're useful, I use them. But when they're not useful, then clearly I don't use them. But I want to make sure that they are useful. Um, so that's the kind of stuff that I look into and focus on. Is making sure that when I build a deck, everything in the deck has a use, has a purpose. Um, it's very rare for me to have cards in a deck that have very little use, or very little purpose. I mean, very, very rare, because um, typically my decks are pretty fine-tuned, but there are those rare occasions where I look at an old deck and I'm like, you know what, that card is a good card, but it doesn't have that much utility, right? It doesn't have that much use. It's a good card, it's just like, you know what, I could have done without that card in that deck. More likely at that time, you know, I obviously had justification for the card being in the deck, but eventually, you know, when you're constantly improving like, like I am, you get to the point where it's like, not to the point, but you get to a point where it's like, yeah, you know what, that deck, I can actually play that deck with without 12 unisons. Let me take four of them out, right? And bring them down to at least eight unisons. I can work with that. And I'll put something else in, let's say super combo. You know, the Napa super combo will be good in this deck. You know, that kind of stuff. Like those will be the rare occasions. Part of it is largely because the game might have changed. There might be some new, um, especially like, for example, these unison decks. It's like, hmm. Napa Super Count will be useful against these unison decks. Because when somebody's swinging, you know, multiple times with unisons in a single turn, you know, you might want to try to out-combo them, right? So the Napa Super Count will be useful because you can stop one unison swing, then stop another one with just one Super Count. So in that scenario, you know, the Napa will be useful, right? Which is why you would, I would recommend using it because of that, that, that possibility. Um, so little things like that, like any small change, any new thing. For example, just recently, you know, started playing Yu-Gi-Oh again. Oh man, the crack is real. Woo! Shit, I can't wait to finish this podcast and go inside and play some some Yu-Gi-Oh because man, it's been a while and it's very addictive. Um, but anyway, mainly because I win. <laughs> but anyway, the point is. Is the fact that uh, 
uh, uh, right now, a lot of decks um, are playing uh, with back row, and the game has been back row-less for more than four years now. So I haven't really been doing anything Yu-Gi-Oh related in a couple of years now, mainly because most decks are, you know, hand trap heavy, monster deck heavy. So it's relatively easy to deal with those decks and beat those decks um, because they're not using back roll. They're not using traps, right? So because of that, there's not much for me to do because it's like, oh, I'm just going to win every time. But now, because they're playing traps and stuff, I'm like, ooh, I got to change my decks up a little bit. I got to tweak them a little bit. Because I have, because now they are using back row, so I can't take advantage of the fact that they are not playing traps. People are playing traps again, so now I gotta put some some trap hate, right? So now I had to modify one of my decks, which is my main deck that I play with, um, you know, on on uh, on the Yu-Gi-Oh simulator, and um, <clears throat> you know, I had a I definitely had to play some back row hate, and it's been working, you know what I mean? It's definitely been helping because it was tough, you know, because of course I start when I came back, started playing again. I wasn't using I wasn't using back row hate uh, because most people haven't been playing back row. Whenever I'm against a deck that does have traps, mostly Eldritch, then it's like, huh, all right, there's going to be a tough match. I have to try to play through that back row. So my experience has to kick in. But, you know, I always say that you want to make the game easier for you but harder for your opponent so even though i have you know some experience to you know outplay my opponent's back row and stuff like that i'd rather not have to go that far right why try hard to do something when you could simplify it and make life easier it's the whole work smarter not harder like i encourage the idea that sometimes you got to work harder right sometimes you just don't have it if you don't own a baby hatch all right you can't you don't have baby hatch so find something else that's good enough or make the cards you already have decent. Use your sparking negates, you know, uh, um, strategically and your combo power strategically in a way that allows you to survive a turn as if you did play a baby hatch. You know, that kind of stuff. That's the whole working harder, not smarter. Smarter would just be just drop motherfucking hatch and <laughs> get that extra turn already, right? That will make your life easier, right? Or, or play pan if you can afford pan which you should because she's relatively cheap. She's definitely cheaper than Hatch, then do that. Now, ironically, I just recently saw that there's a reprint of Hatch, which I'm happy for. I want that. Um, so I'm all for it. I've been asking for that for a long, long time for Hatch to be reprinted. And then uh, we got a second edition of Hatch. So that dropped the value of Hatch already. So for like, so for like 150, I can get a Hatch, which a little well it's actually within my price range because for me it's like if an ultimate's under 200 it's good value um the fact that hatch is 150 right now and we know it's hatch yak <laughs> um definitely good value but i am interested in the artwork of the of of the new hatch yak so i'm debating should i get the one that's with that has the original art which i'm so used to or which is a badass art nonetheless, or get that new Wakanda Forever hashtag basically, because he has his arms crossed and I want that one. Um, so should I get that, that one? I mean, I mean, a simple solution would be for me to get both, right? Two for the price of one, basically. <laughs> get, me, get me both hatch. We'll see, we'll see how it is. 
We'll see, you know, if my money from my checkings to my savings and my offshore bank accounts, <laughs> you know, goes through and, you know, I'll, I'll scoop them up. That's probably what I would do. I'll probably just buy both. Um, just so I can have both art and play whichever one I feel like whenever I feel like it. Well, one would, well, here's the thing. One would be for, for me to use for any, any deck that I build. And then one would be for my main blue deck. Because I have a Super Saiyan 3 Goku deck. And it would be nice to have a hatch jack in there. So I think I'll use the original art for that deck, and then the alternate art will be for, for my other decks, for whatever blue deck I, I build, I could throw that hatch jack in there. So I think that's what I'll do, buy both and then do that. But anyway, so I just finished making that decision. So I'm gonna buy both. All right, so problem solved. Um, let's see, um, what am I talking about besides hatch? What, what? What was I talking about? About ultimates, reprints, uh, wanting the card. I'm talking about so Zeno building decks around ultimates, Zenkai to get to the ultimate. We'll see. All right, so that's some of the stuff I remember talking about. Um, but let's just get back to Zenkai. Um, there's cards. There's a new Hatchiak. We don't know what it does. There's a new hatchback card. It's a black card, obviously. And it's a generic black. I, I didn't see no specified color. So it's going to be generic. Um, we'll see if it, if it has any conditions where it's like you got to have a black machine mutant leader or some shit like that to use it. I would like it to be generic, generic, where anyone could use it. You know, any black player could use it or anybody could splash it in. Just like how we splash in Oceanus in every deck. I know I do. <laughs> um, but... She's essentially the top of all my decks, right? Just like Pan is the baby hatcher of all my decks. So this would be nice if this is a really, really cool um, hatcher that I could splash into decks. So we'll see if it's that that level of generic. I was thinking of different stuff like, is it could it be an overall card? Could it be something that will help you awaken your leader? Like it's specifically to help you awaken your leader or is it a dual attacker? Is it going to be a finisher? Right? Or is this going to be something we can put in hand check and you know go for game with? Um, another thing is like, what is hatch? What is the hatch check that supposed to do originally? What was the purpose of it? Right? If you think about it, like, what was the pur purpose of it? Was 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 it a mill deck? No. We can make it a mill deck, but was it? Was it a burn deck? No. But we can make it, right? So the thing is, like, what was Hatchyak supposed to be? What was the whole concept behind the Hatchyak deck? Other than try to play stuff for free. Now, one of the things is, obviously, uh, anti-aggro, right? Slow down the ability for people to attack with a whole bunch of attackers. Unless they're unisons. Then, then we failed at that, right? But slow down battle cards from swinging a lot. You know, I mean, multiple battle cards from swinging. But doesn't prevent them from dual attack, right? Triple attack. So it's like, okay, so it's the idea of the hatchet cards is to bypass the effect of the leader, right? You know, that kind of stuff. Yo, imagine if this hatchet's effect is to make it where the, um, the, the, the leader effect doesn't affect you. Like by having it on the field, the leader effect does not restrict you from attacking with all your battle cards. Like, negate your leader skill for 
during your this turn, negate the your leader's card. All right, permanent. During your turn, your 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 leader your leader's permanent is is uh is negated. Permanent, permanent is you get it. Your permanent your leader's permanent is negated for the turn. All right, imagine that. That way, on your that way, it still applies on your opponent, but it doesn't apply on you. So that way, on your turn, you're not restricted to how many um, battle cards you can attack with. Right? You can attack with all your battle cards. So if you have a whole bunch of them, if you overwhelmed and all that stuff, everything you have on your side field, you can attack. That would be something very useful for Hatch. We could, because we definitely would love to take advantage of that, being able to play a whole bunch of battle cards, right? Overwhelm, right? So that we have all these attackers and attack with all of them and not be held back by our own leader. So it'd be kind of cool to have something like that, right? Have a hatch check that does that. Um, other possibilities is that it's a floodgate negate, it's a blocker, you know, if you have your leader's hatch check, you can play for free, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, maybe has a built-in, oh, somebody mentioned the idea of it having barrier hate, which I agree, we do need some barrier hate, some barrier warp hate specifically. Let's warp some shit. So barrier hate um, will be useful. I agree. Um, I was even thinking the idea that the hatch might also evolve, be used to evolve. So it's another union, a union absorb basically. It can help, it can um, evolve into um, any of the old hatcher. So the idea of it being support, it makes it easier to summon the bigger, higher cost hatch yaks. So that'd be kind of cool. Like that would definitely be useful because that would make those old hatch yak um, battle cards useful, especially when they had relatively decent effects. It's just that their conditions to play made them hard to play, which is why we skipped, which is why most of us just flat out didn't play the cards. But this card can make it easier to play those cards. So then that'd be uh, the point, right? This will help bring those cards back into the game, back into use. And I'm all for cards that make other cards playable. Um, because if they're not, boo. Another thing I'm excited for is there's a Zenkai uh, Janimba. So hopefully we, we us, most of us Janimba players, which is very few of us, <laughs> um, are definitely going to be um, excited for that because we definitely <clears throat> want something extra to our Janimba so we'll see what it does hopefully it, it has mill effects obviously that's what we want the most right um, <sighs> beggars can be choosers can't be choosers as they say right because if I get to choose I would choose for it to do some really really busted stuff alright I, I, I might have to pause for a bit because So yeah, I'm back. Uh, Zenkai. Uh, like I said, uh, the Janemba stuff, you know, the Janemba Zenkai leader, that's going to be cool. And I know this is blue, so it's definitely for blue, you know, Janemba mill, and hopefully it has milling capabilities. That's my wishful thing, yeah, is for it to um, have the ability to mill um, a lot. Um... Just trying to think what what how, how much how much milling can I justify? Let's say its ability to mill is based off of your opponent's hand size. So your opponent mills one card for every two cards in their hands. 
So if they have six cards in their hands, your opponent mills three. If your opponent has ten cards in their hands, they mill five. You get the idea. They have 30 cards in their hands. They definitely need to mill 15. <laughs> How dare you draw that much? So that'd be kind of cool. So, um, like I said, wishful thinking, right? So we'll see. Because one of the things I noticed about this, the, the Z leaders is that they're very powerful. Like, they're designed to be, like, really strong. Um, so, in a way, they kind of act like an ultimate if you think about it. Um, so we'll see. We'll also see um, the limits. Like, I, I, obviously, I should have done my research. I should have looked more into the information. I'm just going off of, like, some secondhand word of mouth stuff. Saw a couple images. Saw a couple stuff. But I haven't really dived deep into the information that's currently available about the Zenkai series. Because um, there's probably tons of information um, there. I just haven't looked at it yet myself, but just wanted to just wanted to talk about my thoughts about it. Obviously, just the idea of you know how interesting this might be, how um, you know the possibility that like me and my friend were talking about the idea of like you know that we we only have very few win conditions in this game, right? Um, different, you know, we have um, deck out, right? You win through milling your opponent out, you win through burn, um, you know, um, dealing your opponent damage. Right, either through burn or through um, attacks, um, and then there's the uh, the auto win con, you know, uh, effect. Like there's some cards that have the skill to win you the game automatically. Uh, Victory strike, yeah, that's another auto win con effect. So you get the idea. So essentially, what I'm saying is is we're, we're talking about is not something new per se, just a different way to like win, right? Um, pretty much just another auto win con, which is the Dragon Ball concept because it's like this is a Dragon Ball game, right? And the old dra- score DBZ game, you know, had a auto win con condition or a win condition, um, other than I think right you do deck your point out or no no they had a rule where if you ran out of cards you just took your 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 uh, graveyard. Shuffled it back into your deck and kept, and then just played again, just kept going. But they had another win condition, which was um, sorry, which was uh, the Dragon Balls. Collect all seven Dragon Balls and then make the wish to win the game. Right? That was that's the theme of it. Right? If you collect all seven Dragon Balls, you can wish to win the game, which is right the goal. So that's something I noticed that. We don't have. What's ironic is the the Super Shinron leader doesn't have that as a condition. It should have had that as a condition. It should have been you remove the seven Dragon Balls if you have. Well, the original version said 20 um, cards. Now it says 30. I think somebody mentioned it has to be 30 battle cards specifically or some extra shit like this. Like, oh, gotta double check. I do have the revision version, so I gotta double check the leader to see if it says battle card or cards in general it better just be cards in general that'd be stupid if it's battle cards um but anyway uh you know but you get an extra turn and in some ways some people might see that as like well technically that's 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 an auto win getting an extra turn especially after you had a battle phase where you already dealt a lot of damage your opponent already comboed a lot of cards from their hands so the hand size is very very small 
if you're fortunate, unless their hand size is still big after all of that, right? And then you get the extra turn, go for, and then go for game. And it'll probably be hard for your opponent to uh, defend after that. Yeah, but what if they do? What if they do defend? What if they do survive? What if they drop a baby hat check on your extra on your next turn, right? On your extra turn, then it'll be their turn. They hit you back on the clapback and they win. So it's not really much of a thing, right? It's, it's not really a win, uh, uh, you know, auto, it's not guaranteed, right? You want something that's guaranteed. When, when you win, you want to win, right? That's why it's called winning, because <laughs> you actually win. So that's, and a win con is supposed to be that thing that lets you win, that gives, that gets you the victory. So, you know, it, Super Shenron definitely should have been Remove the seven card, uh, the seven Dragon Balls, and then if you have, you know, the 30 plus cards in your drop, then you win, and that should have just been its effect. But they didn't do that. But it's just interesting that a lot of the wish leaders' uh, wish effects aren't thematic. Like they're not, they're not trying to mimic uh, actual wishes that were made in Dragon in the Dragon Ball series and turn them into like, you know. Um, turn into a, you know, a mechanic, right? <clears throat> if I'm right, there's an Oolong Shenron leader, right? If I'm right, I could be wrong. And you would think that when you use its wish effect, you know, it will give you something. Like, it might give you the underwear that he wished for, and the underwear card has an effect. And whatever effect you want to make that, make that be, you know, um, but that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff that you know I think about. It's like it would be cool to you know make make things thematic, right? You know, we even talked about the idea of like uh, one of the wish leaders. Like when you make when you do the, you know the seven Dragon Balls, essentially when you make the wish, you know, one of the wishes could be your opponent, you know, hand size is is reduced down to six. Right? So you deliberately can reduce your opponent's hand size down to six, right? Which is, you know, fair balance. It's one card more than uh, uh, playing God Zeno. It's three cards more than, um, what's his name, Perfect Force Cell. It's six cards more than um, Android 17, Turn of the Tides. So you get the idea, right? So basically, it's essentially a pseudo turning the tide like effect without being a turn the tide effect or a Gogeta 7 drop effect without being Gogeta 7 drop right so you get the idea that would be cool you know especially if you're in a scenario where, you, where a lot of your matchups is against decks that draw a lot an effect like that would be useful right because it will help you combat that type of situation just like having a wish where you can warp your opponent's unison. That'd be useful, right? All right.
what was I saying? Uh, what else? I want to talk too long. This has been long enough, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do for the game, you know, what they add. You know, I was just talking about the whole Wish thing, you know, how it could have been done. We'll see. They could have, you know, they could upgrade on how Wish um, works, operates. Because um, right now we have Z Awaken, right? Which is just another, which is an upgraded version of Awaken. So there could be Z Wish. So since I was talking about Wish, why not? They could do Z Wish. That'd be interesting, right? Well, I definitely would like a Z Wish to get my SCR, especially if the if I have a you know if my SCR is like a WinCon, like Cell Zeno, for example, then I would wish <laughs> to get my my SCR into my hand, right? So that kind of stuff. So we'll see what they do, but there's some potential. That's the thing. It's like it's always good to like think of like what could be added to the game. Something I it's something I do a lot. I think about what could be added to the game. So. Um, I look at, you know, it's, it's the whole pattern recognition thing. I look at what exists currently in the game and see the potential of what could exist. Sometimes I think about, like, you know, how uh, a new hatchback leader could be, right? For example, like how a new uh, Janimba leader could be, right? A new, you know, mill uh, Janimba, that kind of stuff. Like, I think of, like, what new leaders could exist, what new mechanics could exist. And if it does exist, what, I, what I'm going to do with it. And part of mechanics, right, especially adding anything to the game, is to give you something extra, right? Give you something extra working. Um, like, when we, when we first saw Unisons, I was immediately like, hmm, based off of how Unisons work on the whole marker system, whenever you take damage, whenever the Unisons attacked, it loses a marker instead of dying, right? Then I was like, hmm, imagine if they were, if they made blocker unisons, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That would be perfect, that'd be perfect blockers, right? That'd be something you'll definitely want. I've been wanting something like that. You know, reliable blockers. Um, anything similar to Hatchack's leader effect as, as a unison or as a card. I even had the idea of a deadly defender unison. A unison that when it's in rest mode, it makes it where your opponent has to, can't attack the leader, right? So they're going to have to attack the unison. Obviously we can't let the unison be, you know, a, a unison that pluses markers, because obviously that'd be too busted, because um, then you'll <laughs> pretty much never get attacks through to on, onto your opponent's leader. Um, so that would be a problem. So obviously, have a permanent where the power of the unison gets decreased, obviously. Um, maybe even add the condition, the condition that for every for every one damage it takes, it loses one one extra marker. That way, if you do a double strike, it would be four damage, or four markers would be removed instead of two. You know, if you do a single strike, it'll be, it'll be like double strike, right? It'll be two markers, that kind of stuff. So if it's triple strike, it'll be six markers. You get the idea. That way, it makes it a little bit balanced, so it's not too strong, right? That way, uh, I guess it'll be two single strikes could take down a unison that has four markers um, in, that, in that type of scenario, right? So that way, it'd be a little bit fair. 
But it'd be interesting, right? Uh, a unison that has a built-in deadly defender. Technically, we have like two unisons that kind of give you the deadly defender thing, but you need a battle card to go with it. I'm just saying that in general, the, the unison itself should be the, the deadly defender, right? Instead of you needing something else for it, it is the deadly defender. But make it where it's not too difficult to get rid of it, so that way you could still have the potential to attack through. It is to make the game harder, not impossible. I'm always saying you want to make the game easier for yourself, but harder for your opponent, but not impossible for yourself or your opponent, right? So we definitely can't have it where it's impossible for you to win a game or for you to uh, lose a game, right? Even though I want more stuff for Hatchyak to make it more awesome, basically make it, you know, perfect and unbeatable, right? Where no one can ever deal you damage. Um, right? That'd be too exaggerated. <laughs> that'd be that'd be too much. Um, I mean, if, if we can make it happen, we can make it happen. I'm just saying, Bandai doesn't have to literally make it happen. Where like here, here's a card, here's a unison. It works just like a deadly defender. Like, damn, that's disrespectful. Well, we definitely can't have a deadly defender unison in Hatch Egg. I agree with that. We definitely can't. That'd be too easy. That will literally make Hatch Egg perfect. <laughs> Because uh, we already have the leader's effect and then throw a deadly defender unison on top of that. That'd be too much. Too much. But I still want a blocker unison um, that's black um, for hatch. But, you know, that's wishful thinking. Um, let's see. But I guess I'll leave it at that because I'm just going to get into a whole bunch of hatch talk. And that's the end of the podcast.